0: All right, Chief, I think I have a new idea for our perfect movie crossover.
1: Let's hear it, kid, and make it good. We need a hit.
0: Okay, so we need to do it big. Every character, from every piece of media, ever.
1: I think that might be too big,
0: kid. No, no, hear me out. Okay. We have literally everything, and instead of a coherent plot... Oh, no. We just have tons of scenes pointing out at all the wild and wacky characters we have. Just tons of look-at-me scenes.
1: Kid, the best kind of movie crossovers still have a plot. We should just use the crossover bits as fun window dressing.
0: Nah, Chief, that's 80s style. Now we mostly use the 80s as nostalgia glut. Who wants a plot when you can have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meeting the Ghostbusters for, like, eh, half a scene while the boring main character drives a DeLorean around?
1: Kid, this is terrible. Let me show you how it's done.
0: I don't know, Chief. Can we fix this by talking about Come No. Oh, so you're saying we talk about movies?
1: Yes. <laughs> I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The
0: podcast where nothing will ever be the same.
1: Welcome, readers, to our fun bonus episode. Oh, I, I don't know if we call it a bonus episode. If
0: it's taking the still the same place of the...
1: Our fun Patreon reward episode of Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: That's right. And we're not actually covering the comic. There's apparently a Who Framed Roger Rabbit comic. We're going to be covering the 1988
1: movie. Yeah, this movie that that came out just after you were born and right before I was.
0: Like a couple weeks after I was born. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mhm.
1: So this is this is the era Chris was
0: born into. It's true. I was I was born on the set of Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: He, he's in the background. You can <laughs> see it there.
0: I'm not I'm not that one baby though. <laughs> So, readers, we're going to do things slightly differently this time. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is pretty popular, so we're not going to waste anybody's time with a summary. Like, Wikipedia has a fine one.
1: Yeah. So, unless you're like me and your first viewing of this movie was yesterday, you are probably familiar, generally, with the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Gosh, was I floored by, like, the whole—well, we'll get into it. There's a lot.
0: Oh, that's right. You've literally never seen like a single no, bit. No,
1: no. I swear I saw trailers for it, but I don't remember them being anything like what I saw. Oh, weird. So if you're like me and you haven't seen it, uh, maybe maybe put this episode on pause. You know, go to, go to that Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, it is on Disney Plus. That's that's 100% true. Yeah,
1: so if you if you have a way to access Disney Plus, you you could give this a little watch and enjoy the fun with us.
0: Yeah, it's just under 2 hours. It's not too bad. Mhm. All right. Well, after not going to the summary, do you just want to dive right in? Not summary.
1: Okay. So, this was not I don't know what I I don't think I went into this movie with a lot of expectations about what it would be, aside from people generally seem to like really like the movie. Yes. And I wish I'd seen it as a kid.
0: That's fair. You you think it just it just loses something as an adult?
1: A little bit. One thing that I always find fun about watching movies that I really liked as a kid is going back and watching it as an adult and catching all the things that you didn't realize were there that was like humor for your parents.
0: Oh, like in, like there's a ton of it in Pixar movies. Yeah. Like gobs of it in Pixar movies.
1: And so that, so that's kind of fun. But like seeing a movie that, you know, is like a kid's movie only as an adult and seeing some of the content that seemed pretty adult in there. I'm like, I don't know. I'm glad we didn't watch this with our kids.
0: Yeah. So this is a rated PG movie. It was released to movie theaters at pg now granted the 80s were when the pg-13 rating was created Mm -hmm. it was created for and if you know this stop me uh indiana jones and the temple of doom
1: i did not know that
0: they were trying to avoid the r rating but it has like lots of blood because you know it's got the guy who like who like pulls people's hearts out
1: uh-huh. So like, PG was truly the middle ground between G and R.
0: Well, and I think it used to be G. I know at one point X was a was a rating. Oh, and I think I don't. It's been somewhat like replaced now. There's you know the the ratings these as of 2019 mm-hmm. are G. Yeah, for general audiences. Yes. PG for parental guidance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: PG 13 for parental guidance at f- a uh, recommended age 13 and above.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are restricted for nobody under 17, but y- you can still you're like, there go there with, with a, a parent. parent. <laughs> or NC 17, which is absolutely nobody under 17 at all. And very few movies are NC 17 that make it to movie theaters. They're generally released in other ways, or I think given limited releases.
1: So, do you think this movie, if it came out today, would still be PG?
0: PG 13.
1: Yeah. They
0: have, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's words that they say on the, in that movie that we would not say on this podcast.
1: Because it would make our podcast explicit.
0: It would. They say, like, son of a B word.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't think they say the S word. I don't think there's any of that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of, it's like everything else though, like, under, if you, if you have like a ranking, Definitely no F bombs. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's right out. No yeah. S bombs, but I think almost I mean, everything else.
1: Bumming cigarettes off kids.
0: There's a lot of, um, Disney only gave the warning contains tobacco references. Okay. So, uh, the, the main, the main character of this Eddie Valiant is like clearly an alcoholic. And yeah. that's like part of the plot. And he's, he's kind of down on his luck and takes, takes this case to spy on. Roger Rabbit's wife. Uh-huh. And it kind of moves on from there. But it is like it's weird in the ways that it's adult and in the ways that it's not. It is very much situated both in time period and somewhat in tone to be a noir movie. Yeah. It is it is like an LA Confidential sort of thing where it takes place in like the 40s. It's an old school Hollywood like the golden age. Okay, so question. Yes.
1: Do you think you would prefer this movie if it went, like, full, like, kid-appropriate, or if it leaned even harder into, like, the more adult content.
0: I think I, I would have preferred it with just less swears, and I think we, we mostly could have gotten away with it.
1: Yeah, the same the same story, just yeah. with less swearing. Mm-hmm.
0: No, thanks for the cigarettes, kid. There's no way in heck they would do that these days. Right?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: that is completely wild.
1: Oh, and the, the 50-year-old... The what the the lust oh, of a fifty year old lust
0: with a three year old dinky?
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, that was wild. There were a lot of like subtle adult things. That uh-huh. was definitely not one. That was like, "Mommy wants a dinky."
1: Although you know, I remember like watching Grease as a kid and totally not understanding the whole like, "Do you have like a condom?" Basically seen in the back of the car,
0: right. Or- I,
1: it j- that just went, like, right over my head. I didn't understand it. I didn't, like, so, like, as a, I, like as, a, as a kid, so much of that does just go right over your head.
0: In Catholic school, we almost watched Greece in third grade for one of our movie movie days. <gasps> oh. Our former nun teacher, like, that was almost her choice. She decided on the Princess Bride instead. Okay. Which still has, like, somewhat of a dull content you know, you've got your, your, there is a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's maybe about as bad as it gets though. Bad quote unquote. I don't, (laughs) I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that even counts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that for me was probably like the most jarring thing watching this, not knowing going in, like expecting something that's kind of like, Oh, like a fun kid movie from your childhood and having those moments of like, that just sort of took me out of it. And I was like, wait, this was a kid movie?
0: It's interesting though. It was not released under like the Disney banner. There mm-hmm. were no, di- you know, we didn't get the castle credits. Touchstone. Well, do you know oh that my
1: goodness, Touchstone Stone Stone. was
0: just a distributor that was owned by Disney to like make movies that I guess weren't, I guess for some reason they did not want to have all of their movies be quote Disney movies.
1: Oh. So like
0: Hook... I am fairly certain is a touchstone movie. Hook was oh. <laughs> But there's a lot of them. Like Touchstone used to be big, but it's defunct now, so you don't really see Touchstone. That touchstone
1: stuff. opening just took me back. I was like, oh. With oh, the,
0: the lightning hitting. We gotta the wall. remember
1: to rewind this when we're done, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I know. But it, that was that was kinda odd because I, I don't think I knew that as a kid that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was a Disney movie. I thought they just had access to Disney characters. Oh. Which I did I actually did some research on this.
1: Look at you. Look at
0: me. So this all the Disney characters they could use for free. Because this is a, a studio owned by Disney. Right. However, there's a lot, a lot of Looney Tunes characters, a lot of Warner Brothers characters. Yeah. So they only had to pay five thousand dollars per character to use them. Oh wow. Which is kind of a steal.
1: I'm surprised they didn't try to get a little bit more mileage out of them then.
0: Well they had some interesting stipulations on some of them. Bugs Bunny could only appear in scenes where Mickey Mouse also appeared. I think they did not want him to play second fiddle. Oh they definitely wanted like hey we want our top our top guy because we all know that Bugs Bunny is the John Cena of Warner Brothers animation
1: <laughs>
0: They wanted him to hang out with the uh, with with the Kenny Omega of Disney. Got it. I so I looking at things like that I found that completely fascinating.
1: I loved was it Donald and Daffy?
0: Having Max? having the 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 piano kind of dueling piano scene.
1: Like that that stuff was so fun. Like I ate all that up.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. They got their five grand worth for uh that that scene with Donald and Daffy. Mhm. But you can you can kind of tell that there's a little bit more Disney in there. Cuz I think they throw a few more Disney characters in. But maybe mm-hmm. not. They which Warner Brothers characters? They had Bugs. Yeah. Daffy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Tweety Bird. Uh-huh. Is that it?
1: I don't know. Yeah. Mm, maybe.
0: I think that, that that's all I can think of.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that we got like a Wily e. Coyote.
0: No, no Roadrunners or Yeah. <gasps> Porky Pig. He literally was at the end.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: he's a Wonder Brother. That's character. all, folks. That's all, folks. I think this movie made, made, it is, it's like a very tight movie. It does not waste a lot of time.
1: Uh, no, no, I'd agree. I think the, I really enjoyed the setup of the, the movie, the, um, just even our little intro into what tunes are in Hollywood
0: right it which we literally get with like a cartoon and then it like turns into live action at mm-hmm. the end of the cartoon that was
1: so cool
0: I considering that there there was like no no computer generation used because it was 1988 and I think they were like barely starting with that I'm trying to remember when Tron came out mm-hmm. um they did some amazing things with the with the tunes like they would it's it reminded me of um I was. In Blythe Spirit in high school. Uh-huh. And there's a bit at the end where the, uh, the main character who I played is haunted by the ghosts of, like, both of his wives. Yes. Like an ex-wife and a uh, and a soon-to-be wife. hmm And we had to make all these fun things for the books to fall yeah. at the end and, like, things to fall over. It was This movie was packed with that, where, you know, a tune would do something and they would have to have something to react. Yeah,
1: practical effects.
0: Yes. But th- they were... They had to be acted around, too, which I found very interesting. I wish I could have had some time to look it up. I wondered if they had, like, stand-ins or anything.
1: Oh, I'm sure they did.
0: Yeah, they had to have something. But it was so cool, like, they they how they went straight from, you know, his head and, like, the fridge to the fridge cut, and then the fridge being opened by, like, a, a man.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, I'll give them stars. This was definitely some Golden Age Hollywood stuff. It references, we have them on loan from Disney. Right. Because- to, to readers who don't know, it used to be the actors were like they would work for companies. Right? They wouldn't have like agents and go piecemeal to different movies. Mm-hmm. And so, like that would happen. It'd, it'd be like we got Cary Grant on loan.
1: We went to the Actors Library and checked her out. And
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a little weird to hear about. Like we have some like a, a human being on loan, <laughs> <laughs> which in this movie. Something I would have never noticed as a kid. There is definitely like a second class citizen vibe to the tunes. Almost Holy like a, min- cow. Almost a minority sort of metaphor. Maybe, maybe not entirely, but they are definitely treated like.
1: Oh, they are. They're absolutely second class citizens. Uh-huh. You, you can't hurt them. They work for peanuts. Yeah, like, literally
0: in some cases.
1: Right. And it, definitely they're they're this persecuted group you feel bad for you feel bad for them at least you should feel bad for them
0: well and there's like only so much that they that in this world at least i feel like we could go weirdly deep into this world like where did cartoons come from were they always there why do they all live in one tiny little town in los angeles yeah Uh, apparently they only do like very few jobs
1: they, they mostly act. act. In films. They're all like they're entertainers, performers or waiters.
0: Yeah, waiters or, or or in one case a cab. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like he's a cab that's supposed to be in just in the Toontown.
1: I mean, I wonder within Toontown if there's more traditional types of jobs for those characters.
0: Right, and it's just when they kind of they kind of have to go out into the rest of the world that they have to be entertainers because that's where they're a novelty. Yeah. Huh. But um, our main character Eddie Valiant literally is racist against Toons, if, if 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 you would consider <laughs> that right, the case. Like he's right. very prejudiced against this this persecuted group.
1: Right. Like imagine was- imagine somebody who wouldn't. If we applied, like you think, oh well, yeah, Toon murdered his brother. But like if we took that same thing uh, with,
0: oh, with like, like a, a real a life, race or yeah, a minority, race. it and would be like awful.
1: Yeah. Like I won't go to that neighborhood because one of. One of them
0: murdered. Right. Right. But it, they, they this happens in fiction a lot. There's, a, um, in Star Trek, the next generation, Miles O'Brien, the, the transporter chief hates Cardassians and it's because he had to go to war with them and they were particularly brutal and they kind of made him brutal mm-hmm. in response or he had to be brutal to survive and he just like hated them as a result. And a lot of Deep Space Nine is him meeting like, Cardassians who don't fit that mold and him kind of getting over it. Mm-hmm. And in some ways you like you're like you kind of want to like blame him, but it's like the, the show also doesn't make you like Cardassians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Eddie Valiant's kind of our our antihero in yes. this.
0: I kind of love that the, the 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 main human characters of this are like people in their forties.
1: Yeah, we don't have any, like, young folks. It's not kids that interact with We don't have,
0: like, the, like, the, the, we don't have, like, an ingenue. No. We don't have, like, a, a, a young bright-eyed hero. It is very noir, and I feel like nobody's young in noir. Well, that's not true. There are there are sometimes young women in noir, but there's it's always old dudes or like middle aged (laughs) dudes rather. So that's that's kind of why we get Eddie Valiant, and I I love Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant. I think he crushes it. He has to like straight man everything.
1: Oh yeah, I mean even just the majority of his scenes were probably just him and like a stand in. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's some pretty impressive acting chops.
0: Yeah. I mean, now everybody has to do that. Like, if you're acting on the set of Avengers, you're just like, we could do it in our closet, really. <laughs> as long as it was a green closet. Uh, and they act all the scenes out of order so much, they have no idea what's going on. So, uh, so everybody has to do that now. But at the time, most, I'm just imagining seeing this and just being blown away by the way that things interact. Mm-hmm. Like, now granted, there have been, other movies where people have been in cartoons like there's a bit in mary poppins where mary poppins is you know dancing with a bunch of penguins yeah but this is kind of different it is like every scene is multimedia
1: yes yeah i and i loved some of the the distinctions of what they chose to cartoon versus what they didn't like I'm fairly certain the guns that like the weasels carried around were not were, animated.
0: No, but there's one point where Eddie gets out an animated gun.
1: Right, but the bullets are sentient, which is
0: odd. <laughs> they've just been hanging out there. <laughs> yeah, the weird thing about tunes is everything's kind of like a living thing.
1: Yeah, even what should be inanimate objects.
0: Right, everything, everything and is if none buildings. Of it can where, die. None of it can die.
1: Kind of a depressing life to have, you know, spent however long in a box just waiting for somebody to get you out and fire you.
0: Yeah. Well, the 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 can't die thing, I guess we can get back to that later. Roger Rabbit, I think, would have been more interesting to me as a kid. He irritates the heck out of me as an adult.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He,
0: He He was just like a lot.
1: He wasn't very helpful and was supposed to be kind of endearing.
0: I just did not find him very endearing. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I think it gets those serious, like, it it gets on the nerves that, you know, your toddlers really irritate with, like, the, all right, it's time to go. It's, It's time to get on our shoes. It's time to get on our shoes. Can we get on our shoes right now? Can we get on our shoes? Yeah. Like, just that.
0: It is a lot like that. It was like dealing with with the with the child, Mm -hmm. like the all you literally need to do is hang out in this back room and And, do nothing, and he could not do it.
1: Oh, I loved the um the the knock the
0: oh shaving a haircut,
1: shaving a haircut. I don't don't, shaving
0: a haircut two bits.
1: I didn't know that that's what that was attached to, but I really enjoyed the like
0: no tune can resist. resist. (laughs) It's pretty good. Um, with that, we should probably get into a little bit of Christopher Lloyd's character. Oh, wow. Who is Judge Doom. 80s, like Christopher Lloyd was all over the place. Uh, he was Doc Brown in Back to the Future, and he got to do this. He still acts. I love that guy. I'm a big Christopher Lloyd fan. He might be problematic. I don't know. I've never heard <laughs> anything about him, though. He's just he's just a cool dude. He gets to be super, super evil. In this,
1: 80s villains are a lot. Just-
0: well, 80s action villains are always like doused in cocaine.
1: But uh, <laughs>
0: everybody else is like, just like, no one is not cartoonishly evil.
1: See, normally I can see the twists coming. Like when we watch a lot of movies, I know that you, you hate it. Because I, I will call the twist before it you happens. Know,
0: oh, that's his sister. And I'm like, ah. Oh.
1: <laughs> and... I did not see that coming.
0: Oh, you did not see that coming that he was a tan? Yeah. Well, they, they definitely try to get you off base because of how close he comes to the dip. Right. Which, uh, readers, if you don't know that the dip is a mix of chemicals that if you put a, one of the tunes, one of the cartoon people in it, they'd like disintegrate. Yeah.
1: Basically a whole bunch of paint removers.
0: Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Sense. It's a, <laughs> it's a fun death chemical. <laughs> But no that was it it's a fun twist that he was the that he was uh, the the brother and all, he was just behind literally all of it.
1: Yeah. That mm-hmm. you could you could hang it all there. It it almost felt too convenient. It felt comic booky in how everything was just everything came together and of course this and this and this and this and
0: all the Well that's the kids movie aspect of it. It I is. Think. Where that that's like that It's the, so
1: nice and neat.
0: Yeah. The, you know, the good the, – everything, like, really turns out neat in the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where it, it's, it's it's kind of a sweet noir movie. To to get into, like, the noir aspects, it was really bright and sunny a lot.
1: That's true.
0: It was not like your Maltese Falcon or your Casablanca, like, everything.
1: Well, Casablanca was black and white. True, but,
0: like, there's black <laughs> and white movies that <laughs> seem to take place in the I guess that's daylight. true. <laughs> yes. Whereas, like – like, I love The Maltese Falcon. I've I've seen it in theaters. It is mm-hmm. it takes place perpetually at night.
1: I just I don't think I could imagine anything with like the cartoon characters in them, the tunes in them and have it in that darkness. You would have to almost wash out the characters.
0: Yeah, it would be strange. Would... I think there's been a recent movie with puppets that's kind of dark.
1: Mm.
0: Uh we I've not seen it. Um they probably couldn't couldn't really do the the crossovers that they wanted to do in a puppet movie.
1: I have no idea this movie that you're talking about. This puppet movie. Oh, I think
0: it's supposed to be like what's her name's in it. Um, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh. And I it's I think it's about it's like a homicide movie but with like Muppet stand-ins.
1: Oh, this is sounding more familiar.
0: Yeah, I have not seen it. Okay, but you that's like one of those movies where you know they'd want to get like the Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Oh. but no it is it's definitely kind of bright. That all the noir has to be kind of more of the trappings rather than the tone.
1: Mhm.
0: Like, you know, he's he's a guy wearing a jacket and he lost his brother and he's a private eye. He even puts his hat on a falcon statue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's 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 a lady who he used to work with and he's still kind of in love with, but he ruined everything. And so that he's he's kind yeah. of dealing with that. It is tons of trappings. I mean, it's great. It's
1: it, it's tunes dropped on a plot that would otherwise be not necessarily that interesting.
0: No, which is uh, I th- it it kind of makes it interesting,
1: right? It does. Uh,
0: but also, they are not they are not in replacement of the plot, which is kind of what I made fun of in the cold yes. open, where things like like your Ready Player Ones, where it, you you don't just need to point at things. For a whole movie to say, look at that, for it to be interesting, mm-hmm. it can just be some some nice candy. You know, Mark, Mark Rosewater from Magic the Gathering is like, we can't, you know, not everything can be cotton candy. <laughs> and I, you know, I feel like you need some meat and potatoes, which would, in this case, is the actual like plot of these people who are independent from your Warner Brothers and your Disney.
1: And the whole tune metaphor is a lot of a lot of meat there.
0: <laughs> yeah. They really get into it in in kind of a neat way that definitely, like, when I was a kid, went completely over my head.
1: Plus the really fun message of, like, public transport versus cars. And I'm like, oh.
0: That was weirdly ahead of its time.
1: Very much
0: so. Right. The whole plan was, like, they're going to make a freeway. And everybody's like, who would take the freeway when we have this delightful public transportation system? And now, like, think about L.A.?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: Oh, right. Whereas, like, in 2019, we probably need to stop using cars.
1: (laughs) Right. If we saw that message in a movie today, people would be like, why is a kid's movie going to be so political?
0: Apparently that whole movie is political. It is, (laughs) (laughs) in, you know, ways I did not understand. One thing that, uh, that really, like, almost strained the metaphor for me, but I guess not quite, the judge just kills some dunes. Yeah, like the little shoe that got out, where they were trying to get all the shoes back in the box.
1: Just because he annoyed him.
0: Yeah, he just picked him up and, and, and dropped everybody. Everybody
1: just sat by, and that was okay.
0: Yeah, which tunes are okay to? I guess all tunes, because he was gonna throw Roger in the dip in Dolores's bar.
1: Yeah,
0: he could just do that.
1: I mean, he was gonna put all of Toontown in the dip.
0: Which I like that he's like, I'm just gonna do that, and <laughs> like nobody's gonna catch on. It just made it definitely seem like people did not care about these cartoons.
1: Right. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was a little heartbreaking how hard that metaphor hurt.
0: But I don't know if a lot of the people in it necessarily seem that way other than like, because your, your characters for the most part are. So you've got Acme and Maroon, the owner of the Acme company in yeah. Toontown. Uh-huh. And Maroon, who who is the like. Their sole employer, it seems. Right. Cause he makes the cartoons. They both like the tunes and they wanted what's best for them. They, they made some, some bad decisions, but they, they, they theoretically wanted what's best for them. So
1: you felt, you felt like Maroon was like, okay. Cause I,
0: no, I think, I think no. he was one of those people who wanted to help, but only after he got everything he wanted. And he just felt bad at the very end about it.
1: Oh, see, I don't think I found him very sympathetic at all. You know, he was the same guy that, you know, they work for Peanuts kind of a thing and yelled True. at Roger a lot. And
0: He did not want Toontown to be dipped. He definitely did not want that.
1: Well, yeah, that's his... We're, how, how else would he make money?
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: I, I for, To me, it was very self-interested on his part.
0: Right. Whereas a- Acme what, apparently did have more of a vested interest.
1: Yes. He's our... He's our slave owner who in the will sets the slaves free.
0: Uh, I don't think that's a perfect one to one, but (laughs) (laughs) he he was, uh, well, Acme didn't really like, he just owned Toontown, which uh, I don't know how you buy a town, but whatever.
1: Right. And considering everything in Toontown is a toon, he just owned the toon. He just, he just
0: owned, he owned actual people. Yeah, that's rough.
1: (laughs) I think the metaphor. It's kind of there.
0: Whew, Roger Rabbit's heavy. I just... You know,
1: and Acme, like, coercing Jessica Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit also being coerced by Maroon to play patty cake.
0: Well, no, she played patty cake with, with Acme. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: But she did it because...
0: Maroon Mar- was, was trying to blackmail or something. Yes. Yes.
1: So she's coerced on two fronts by two human men. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's true. You wonder if Acme was supposed, it was portrayed in such a positive light in the movie. No one ever says anything bad about him, really. Right. Because of the, like, kind of, the very, like, socially conservative bent that Disney had through a lot of its history. Mm-hmm. Like, in the forties, Disney was incredibly conservative. Like, they, there's a, there's a really good podcast to listen to about this called, uh, You Must Remember This. That's about old Hollywood, but they, I mean, they,
1: they did make songs of the South. So
0: yeah. And they, they, <laughs> and even, even that at the time, that was not like a thing where people were like, this is fine because it's the 1940s. Like there were lots of protests about it even mm-hmm. then. And Disney had tried to like alleviate a lot of this by things like he hired like, uh, like a communist to mm-hmm. write it. To try to like inject some what some progressive politics. Like it is I I, I wonder how much of making Acme like likable, but if you think about it too hard, he kind of stinks. Yeah. Like, if he was a good dude, he just would he would just give them their, right. their, their but instead he waited till he died. <laughs> right. Yes. But yeah, uh he was definitely portrayed in the movie as like, what a good guy. Other than being kind of a creep.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of addendums to that. Kind of a good guy there.
0: Well, yeah, but like the 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 tunes never have say a bad word about him.
1: I guess. I mean, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing said in the movie by the characters besides, "No, I don't want to." Right. That uh, make you
0: man the patty cake thing. I cannot believe that there was a movie that was for kids where a where a woman was making like some very suggestive noises and it turned into be patty cake. Oh my gosh. That was kind of a the, the gag of like, oh, she was doing patty cake and it was like literally patty cake. Right. That was very, that was very cartoony. That was. Do we need to have like a deep dive into Jessica Rabbit? I think so. Okay. Go for it's,
1: it. it. It's real, it's real hard. Um, <laughs> th- She has, she has nearly every like stereotype that she has to fill, you know, the, Beautiful, gorgeous, talented, capable woman who goes for the, the goober because he makes her laugh. Mm-hmm. Who probably does not deserve her in any way, shape, or form. That's true. And she's manipulated by all of the men around her. And she goes along with it because she believes that she can be slightly ahead of the manipulation and and get out ahead of it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> she's, you know, very over-sexualized. And... Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, I guess you're a tune and there's only so many dresses you can wear, so.
0: <laughs> she gets a lot of good lines, though. Like, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's like, that, that's not my best line, but it is like it's, probably it's the my most. my best line, oh, okay. so thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> it's probably the most well-known line in the
1: movie. Yeah, which she really has drawn the short straw in very many ways.
0: Although, I can't think of a character from that movie that's more memorable than Jessica Rabbit. Mm hmm. Watching this as a kid, it didn't, I didn't think about it, but she was really kind of Uncanny Valley to me. Her mouth was animated in this way where I, it was like hard for me to look at.
1: Uh, sometimes her hair weirded me out. She looked like bald on one side of her head.
0: Yes. She very much had like a the
1: sideswept,
0: sideswept all on one side. I think it would often cover an eye, if I recall. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think she was she was meant to be the most human of the tunes.
0: Yeah, she's she's kind of the only human tune, really. I mean, other than I guess Yo seventy Sam.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everybody else was was anthropomorphic animals, shoes, guns, buildings.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, Eddie when he goes to see her, totally is
0: expecting a rabbit. Right, because she took a bunch of rabbits' last name, so her <laughs> name is Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Uh, That's so good. <laughs> That'd be like, if there was a Sesame Street version of this, she'd be Jessica Monster.
1: Oh,
0: She'd like Mary Cookie Monster or something.
1: No, I'm just thinking of a fun little Muppet, Jessica, Jessica Monster.
0: Well, you've seen Avenue Q, right?
1: Oh, yeah. It that would just be exist. that. <laughs> it would just be that. That
0: literally exists. <laughs> uh, I did not realize... As a kid, just how over sexualized Jessica Rabbit is I knew she was supposed to be like a like a gorgeous cartoon character that was right. that was never difficult but like her chest is animated like a lot <laughs> <laughs> people bump into it a lot and it like makes noises. She has a booby trap she has a bear trap that is in her in her cleavage yes. And one of the weasels gets got by it. Mm-hmm. The weasels get laughed to death, and are there ghosts still tunes? <laughs> I don't know. I just had a lot of tune-related questions, like, are there baby tunes? Where well, we know there's a baby tune, but like, where well, do they come from?
1: Yeah, where, where where do babies come from? Where do
0: tune babies come from? Where do
1: tune babies come from? <laughs> the stork probably brings them oh
0: i bet that's true
1: yeah in toontown
0: yep we also like jessica rabbit at one point like um eddie says to her like i guess he's more of a lover than a fighter and she's like you better believe it like like roger rabbit is apparently like very good at that and i was like don't want to think about that much (laughs) more (laughs) Uh... but overall did you like the movie i don't i feel like it's aged incredibly poorly in a lot of ways. Yeah. it's it, There's a lot of misogyny.
1: Right. Like, I think I can like it only in the context of it being a product of its time. Mm-hmm. There, But the things that I like about it are really what makes the story what it is. I feel like the story, with some changes to improve, I don't know, female representation and... A couple, couple of other things. I feel like the, the plot holds up well. I like the metaphor. Mm-hmm. I like I like a lot of that. I definitely wish there the were more- The metaphor maybe
0: would have been better if any of the human characters weren't white. Oh, yeah? All, like, all of them are. Yeah.
1: And I mean, the women are just there as love interests.
0: Yes. Dol- Dolores is, only does a, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um she is written kind of like a strong character. Yeah. But she doesn't really get to do anything. No. Yeah. No. I did like that the the love story was between two people in their 40s. I thought that was fun.
1: Mm-hmm. I looked
0: up the actors. They were both in their 40s at the time. I'm like, <laughs> "Well, that's just great." Oh. Well, are we going to get into questions or accolades?
1: Accolades.
0: All right, Christy, what is the best line?
1: Well, you already kind of made me spoil my best line, but I had to give the best line to, I'm I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way by Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty iconic line.
0: It's very good. Mm-hmm. That one was apparently cribbed from the novel.
1: Wait, there was a novel?
0: There is a, This is based on a book called Who Censored Robert, Roger Rabbit, where Roger Rabbit was the one who was killed. Oh, but tunes in that talk in like word balloons and stuff, and it's more about like comic strip characters than animation.
1: Huh. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: All right. Who? So what was your best line?
0: Mine was from Roger Rabbit after they the he and Eddie spent like fifteen minutes handcuffed together, mm-hmm. and Roger gets oh. out, <laughs> and Eddie goes, "You could have gotten out this entire time," and Roger says, "Not at any time. Only when it was funny."
1: Oh, you even did the, the voice there. That was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. We we had a good chuckle at that one.
0: Yeah, I like I I liked that a lot. <laughs> I didn't like all the gags. Eddie's bit where he had to do vaudeville I, like fell, fell flat for me. Yeah, the, the funny part of the, the the humor in it was like him doing it was just completely out there because
1: right, it was him. Right. All right. Who did you give? your greatest hero accolade too.
0: I give it to Dolores because she like upends her entire life for this and to like help out Roger and stuff. Uh, I wish I could have given it to the whole bar because you, you, I definitely thought they were going to turn him in and they totally didn't. And it was supposed I think it was supposed to be a moment where they're like, is everybody this racist against tunes? And it's like, no,
1: (laughs) well, we have a daily double hit it. Matt D Wilson. Uh yeah, I gave it to Dolores as well because Eddie was for me is a little bit too much of an antihero to really give the greatest hero to. I feel like he actually had the most to gain from this whole endeavor. He came out better. But Dolores at the end of this, like, she gave up a lot and really didn't gain anything. Um yep. her entire bar gets destroyed. Like her livelihood is destroyed.
0: Yep. Hopefully she can go back to working at the at the the PI.
1: Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I feel like she lost the most and did a lot of good.
0: Yeah. What do you what what do you think the coolest moment was?
1: I think the whole our whole final battle scene with the huge tank squirting dip was a whole lot of fun.
0: It was a very cool scene. And they had someone had to, like, make the dip machine because that was that was a giant piece of set. Mhm. And I think even the squirting thing was something they had to do. And so that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think from from like an effects standpoint, the bit in the apartment where the weasels came in was I thought was so cool. Like uh, Roger coming out and going back in and, and the, like water the water she- splashing and it the weasels would like knock stuff over and like oh, yeah. at one point they threw something and it splashed. Uh-huh. And I thought that was so cool.
1: That was a lot of fun. That was a very cool, immersive scene. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. All right. What do you give your Crusher Creel award for silly villainy?
0: The plot of I'm counting on freeways was just very silly to me. <laughs> I mean, most of the villainy in this is cartoonish. It's a cartoon. But just the – they're going to build a freeway and I'm going to make a lot of gas stations. <laughs> right. Like – I'm going to do a genocide for some gas stations. It's completely out there. It
1: really is. It really is. I thought about that for my um, silly villainy as well. But I went ahead and I, I have to give it to just the entire premise of the weasels laughing to death that to me was the most out there cuz we kept getting these warnings of oh yeah you're going to you're going to laugh yourself to death like
0: it was Chekhov'd the entire movie and
1: i i didn't think it was really going to happen like i oh. thought they were maybe going to laugh and then like something bad would happen and they you know something bad would happen to them they'd fall in the dip or something but literally just laughing too hard made their souls escape their body that, to me, was just ridiculous. Except
0: the one that fell in the dip.
1: Well, there was one that fell in the dip, yes. Yikes.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of music in this already. Yes. But what's your key of C?
1: So, my key of C, I feel like we needed a big finale number. We needed to see a lot of the tunes joining and chiming in, maybe more of Toontown. Ah, um, uh, yes. Uh, we we just needed a big ensemble number.
0: Would they sing "It's a Small World" and then I would absolutely hate this movie?
1: <laughs> no, they'd sing something original.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought there needed to be a sad bit in in the office where Eddie is sitting at, at his desk and we're going between the pictures and the mm. newspaper clippings. Before, yeah, when you find out that his brother was killed by a tune,
1: I I could see that.
0: God, his brother was killed by a tune is the most blindsiding line in this movie. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Was I
1: have team. it in my notes because I took actual, like, paper, paper notes. notes. I, like, just...
0: Toon you... killed his brother by dropping piano on his head.
1: In yeah. all caps, taking up, like, a third of a page. I was just like, what? <laughs> what
0: on earth? Oh, I know, right? Uh, it was fun. All right, well, let's get into some questions. We have a few of them.
1: Yeah. Twitter questions...
0: All right. Our first co- question is actually a comment from near, uh, Ravel at Ravel underscore near. I'm just going to mention the oft forgotten book this was adapted from, which in and of itself is very interesting and worth at least checking out on the show. It uses the tunes as allegory for segregation with minorities in the U.S., which doesn't seem unlike the movie, but it, I'm guessing it is, it is probably delved more into moreover. I, I think it's the, the reading the, the plot summary of the book. Mm-hmm. I, we did not have time to read it. Uh, it seemed a little bit more serious and adult. Right. Yeah. I could see that. All right. Dan Grote asks, did the scene where Christopher Lloyd transform into a tune at the end freak you out when you were a kid? Because it sure did to me. Horrified me as a child. Absolutely terrifying. I, th- I think the reason why I didn't see all of Roger Rabbit when I was a kid was there was like a few scenes that like I could not deal with. Oh. It, um which is weird, because I could do Brave Little Toaster, and there was, Whoa, there was a little Oh, Brave bit...
1: Little Toaster's so hard. Yeah,
0: it'll mess you up. Oh, Apparently, kids need to be kind of terrified a little bit. Like, it's important for their emotional growth. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so that's why there's, I, I think that's why scenes like that endure. Okay. I don't think they need to be, like, in a constant state of terror, but I've, I've read <laughs> that apparently, like, kids do at some point have to experience fear.
1: I guess that that's fair. It's better to do it in small, little doses in a very safe, controlled way than their first traumatic event be something that they cannot actually handle.
0: Right. You know, movies are very controlled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not.
1: Things are I, things are. I'm not trying to give out. any
0: parenting advice or anything, or even right. say that's what we would do. But I, apparently, that's that's a thing.
1: Yeah, this definitely seems like a moment that would have completely terrified me because. I was terrified of the Nightmare Before Christmas trailer. I never actually saw the movie because the trailer so much terrified me.
0: Were you afraid of the Brave Little Toaster? Because there's like a couple scenes. Oh, my
1: God. The air conditioner? The air conditioner
0: that let lights oh. on fire?
1: And then, oh, what was it that was, I mean, basically killing them all? The, the whole scene where you think the, they're gonna get crushed, mm-hmm. the metal thing, oh, that was, it was a lot.
0: There's also one where a guy has like a little pawn shop and he takes out a blender motor of the blender. Oh yeah. And you only like see like bits of it. And then like see the reactions, and then it's like blender motor. Yeah. Oh man. Ooh. Which I don't know what the like we're getting off on off topic. I don't know what the message of Brave Little Toaster is. Like keep your blenders, they're alive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, uh, Dan Grant also sent us a picture of uh, his trauma immortalized in a photo where he's writing in in the cartoon cab.
1: Yeah, with Roger, with Roger Rabbit.
0: Rabbit. That's it fun. Is, it's
1: really adorable.
0: It is very cute. <laughs> Adam Reck at Arthur Stacey asks, "Which part of Roger Rabbit has the greatest potential to emotionally confuse and scar our children when they watch it?" Uh, the the shoe nuts. getting dipped. The shoe getting dip really messed me up. I didn't. The concept of dip, I did not like that it would like dissolve them. Right? That was. I didn't like that.
1: Not yeah. Not a bit. I I think I think that especially. I mean, you have to set the stakes early on. We have to see what dip can do. I get it, but it's traumatic it's just a sweet little shoe it's not its fault it got let out of the box yeah Ugh. right i mean it seeing that as a kid like violence with no clear motivation or rationale or justification that's a lot that is
0: a lot all right what are the chances wfrr who framed roger abbott could even be made today uh so slim i think that that movie studios have strat have like stratified and i don't think they can play nice
1: Oh, yeah, you mean in terms of the crossover aspect. Yeah. I I don't know that we would see like cartoons like that. We don't cuz we don't even get cartoon movies anymore.
0: They're pretty rare. Right. Cartoon we, shows are not super rare.
1: Right. But I I mean if you're going to go to a movie theater, you're going to see like the like a
0: like, Dreamworks. Yeah, the yeah.
1: Pixar kind of animated style. And
0: Gosh, when's the last like animated movie that got that got popular? Gosh, it's been a bit. I was like, Frozen. Nope. Mm-mm. Moana. Nope. That's all computer generated.
1: Um, there was uh, The Princess
0: and the Frog. God, that was a while ago, though. That's like more than 10 years at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of one. This is going to drive me crazy. Yeah. But um, if it could be made, what form would it take? Theatrical release, Netflix series, YouTube shorts. Uh, oof. I think if uh, they went for if they wanted a big crossover, they'd probably do a theatrical release. Mm. But maybe not. It's a lot of a lot of theatrical releases now are like known quantities.
1: See, I could see Netflix picking up something that was like a, it, like it, but yeah. in a much like darker tone. They oh. It
0: would yeah. lean
1: much harder into the noir and be like really earn that PG thirteen or even R rating.
0: Oh no. It would be like it would be a Netflix R and there'd be like there'd be like a lot of nudity.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like just tons.
1: Yeah. We would see all of Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> oh
0: no. Mm. Uh, thoughts on the fact uh speaking of thoughts on the fact that animators hid a nude Jessica Rabbit as a freeze frame on the laser disc for pervs across the world.
1: Have we credited these questions to Adam, Adam Rack? Rack? Yeah, I okay. said Adam okay. Arthur Stills. Still. Okay. Okay. This is still Adam Still Adam Rack.
0: Rack. He has a lot of questions. <laughs> um I think this one is still debatable. I think maybe they got lazy.
1: Yeah, whether or not it was intentional.
0: Yeah, because it wasn't nude, it was supposed to be like the front of her, of like her,
1: her dress her, came up. Her too dress
0: high. came up too high, and there's apparently a scene where her underwear disappears, and you can you can like kind of see it if you're looking for it. But I don't think they drew like anatomy,
1: right? It's like your Barbie doll.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell. Now they did draw um, the baby character, baby. I don't remember. Herman. Herman, baby. I guess, yeah. Like. Going under a woman's dress and putting his middle finger up as he's going under a woman's yeah, dress. Yeah, that was a
1: lot early on.
0: Yeah. And then he was like, he had like drool or something. So <laughs> they did, they did do that completely on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Boy, this one's going to get wild. As upsetting as it might be, what characters from the last, oh, I'm sorry. This is at Rev Zachary, um, a locked account, but we, but we know him. <laughs> <laughs> as upsetting as it may be, what characters from the last 30 years would be culturally iconic enough to be in the remake, if there was one? Here's the thing. This movie spurned on the Golden Age or whatever, or the renaissance of Disney animation, so we would have everything. Beauty and the Beast was after this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Little Mermaid was, but it was very close.
1: Pocahontas.
0: they—they they were. I don't know if they're ever going to use Pocahontas Lion again. Lion King. Lion King. Aladdin. Mulan. Uh, Hercules, Mm -hmm. tons, not to mention like characters from other media. Weirdly enough, I feel like Warner brothers would be less used because they have not been in much. They were in like space jam. Right. Um, but we could get like Pokemon or like tons of anime characters. Shrek.
1: Right. I mean, if, even if it was just a Disney crossover, they.
0: Well, Disney owns everything. Right. If, if they ever did this again and were able to use the Bugs Bunny characters, it's because they bought Warner Brothers.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: The, they haven't yet, but...
1: Oh. No, I'm just you saying... You said that and I was like, oh, well, of yeah, course of they course they did. they did. They
0: have not. <laughs> they could put Anastasia in this because they bought Fox and...
1: Yeah, she's she's a Disney princess now.
0: Oh, that's weird.
1: It, I mean, it was weird for me as a child not to Not that she wasn't? ...that she wasn't a <laughs> Disney princess. I just thought that she was.
0: Yeah. Man, there were a ton of animated movies. We could have um, Oliver and Company. Oh. Yeah.
1: Lady and the Tramp.
0: Yeah. There'd be so many computer-generated characters now, though. And Disney would just put in their own stuff, because they have so much. We have, like, random Star Wars characters It'd just
1: become Kingdom Hearts.
0: It would just become Kingdom Hearts. The Kingdom Hearts characters would show up. Sora would hit someone with a (gasps) keyblade. Okay. What if there was a Who Framed Roger Rabbit bit of Kingdom Hearts? That would kind of rock.
1: Oh, like if they went to Toontown? Yep. Mm. But
0: there would be bits that would be kind of like more live action-y and bits that were cartoony.
1: Yeah. I would like that.
0: I would like that a lot.
1: All right. Internet.
0: Make it happen.
1: Make it happen.
0: All right. Moving on to at Trent, who asks, do you also have recurrent nightmares of cartoon death? Uh, When I was a child, I definitely did.
1: Yeah. I can't speak to my childhood. I, I don't know. I... I have worse nightmares than cartoon death now. <laughs>
0: yes, they're very, they're <laughs> awful now. Um, At R- runeg um, asks a very similar question, which is, will you ever emotionally recover from the dip scene? You know, the one I'm talking about, we all know the one you're talking about. No, it really messed me up as a child.
1: See, I, if I would have seen it as a kid, I could see it doing a it lot more. It did not
0: mess you up now though. No. Okay. I think no. it would still mess me up. <laughs>
1: Oh. I, I mean, software. I didn't like like it, but I don't think it's like going to psychologically scar me. I've been, you know, exposed to a lot worse than that.
0: That's true. Uh I think the most recent thing that kind of like I thought would mess me up worse was a scene from The Witcher that involved a child death. Uh so yeah. I guess that's probably worse than the cartoon <laughs> shoe, but as a kid, ooh. Um I had this weird thing with with cartoon characters when I was a kid and then like g- <sighs> Going through like real things. I don't know. It, like, mm-hmm. it was hard to think about. Gosh, we have a ton of these. At Drew underscore GY asks, what's the deal with Christopher Lloyd's career? It rules. <laughs> if you look at his IMDb, he is absolutely killing it for four decades, but I still feel like he lives in quirky character actor space. Adam's family, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, Back to the Future 1 and 3, so much more. Uh, he just rules, and but he's not like a leading man guy.
1: No, and I think that's fine. You find your niche and you, you rock it. You keep working.
0: Yeah. You, Christopher Lloyd does not mind being a character actor. You know, he's wiping his, his, his tears with hundo's. <laughs> uh, I love Christopher Lloyd. I, any, anything I see him in, I'm immediately like, heck yes. <laughs> At Coltreg asks, is baby oil flammable? I looked it up. It's not.
1: And also asks, Did you think there were actual Roger Rabbit cartoons growing up?
0: I didn't, and it's because I I think I I I was so immersed in cartoons. I think I would have I thought that I would have known if they really existed.
1: See, I kind of wondered watching it now as an adult. I was like, oh, were there Roger Rabbit cartoons around then? Oh no, just for this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Finally, he asks, "Would you rather eternally look like a baby or an old person?" Oh, that's rough. I think an old person.
1: I mean. I'm already an old person.
0: Oh sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, I definitely won't want to look like a baby forever. That was really disconcerting to see a baby do adult things.
0: Yep, don't like that.
1: So yeah, whatever. I'll I'll age beautifully. Yep.
0: Yeah. There is a character in Black Hammer, which is a comic, who when she turns into a superhero, superhero, she like ages backwards, and she's Ooh. like trapped. She's like a forty-year-old woman, and she's like in an eleven-year-old's body, and it, it it gives me like similarly like horror vibes. Although in her case, it's like horror because she absolutely does not want that, but she cannot do anything about it. Oh. Our last question is from at Howdy Doodah. Can the two of you each do your best impressions of Eddie Valiant's catchphrase, the resigned growl of Toons? Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, that's yours. And now that that was pretty good. You yeah. have to go after it. Why do you have to go first?
0: Dunes. Love it. There we go. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. Friends, we are maybe going to try to do more of these. We were thinking about getting comic book creators on to talk about their favorite crossovers that may or may not be actually about comics.
1: And a little bit about things that they're working on. Too. Yeah, we
0: thought that might be kind of a fun way to do things. Let us know if, if that's something you'd be interested in uh, or not. If, you, if you're if vehemently opposed, I guess let us know, too. Mm-hmm. You can do that by finding us at Chris's Pod on Twitter and Facebook and uh, long-form stuff. Chris is on Infinite Earths at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and please rate and review us on iTunes uh, or Facebook or wherever you get your podcasts. If we see your five-star review, we'll shout you out on the show and read your review and answer any wacky questions that you happen to ask us in it.
0: It's true. Um, If you want us to do a definitive, absolutely, we have to do another one of these. Get us to that $50 level a month on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Chris's pod at 50. We will do the incredible crossover of the like, I forget what it's called, but it's a Muppets, the Muppets Christmas crossover, which has the Muppet babies, the Muppets and the Fraggles. Uh-huh. And that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to give us kind of those one-time donations, you can do so at Kofi ko-fi.com slash Chris's on infinite earths.
1: And you can also check out our writing over at xavierfiles.com and you can even uh, this week's episode of Battle of the Atom, mm-hmm. hear a little bit of us on that.
0: Yep. Christy says something on that podcast that she would never say on this podcast. <laughs> You'll have to listen and find out what it is. <sighs> so next week, we're getting back to our next episode. We're going to get back to comics. We're on an X-Men one and we're going to be doing a long one. It's very recent. It's going to be gearing up for Empire.
1: Yeah. Got to get ready for Empire. Black Vortex
0: Yes, I think for a lot of people that's like a solid like that's a crossover so you'll have to see what we think
1: But it's going to be some important content stuff coming up for Empire
0: Yes, we are going to be writing about Empire and we're probably going to be podcasting about Empire probably very soon after it's done Can
1: you imagine us covering current stuff? Well, I don't know if you can but it's probably going to happen
0: It's definitely going to (laughs) happen (laughs)
1: All right, and until next time, readers.
0: Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours.